All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, all of you wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 Podcast with your favorite crypto hosts in the entire world, Bryce Paul and the notorious P-I-Z, Mr. Pizza Mind Malone. How you doing over there in your neck of the woods? It's alt season. How could anyone be feeling bad right now? It's it been is three, all season. It's been three years since we got to go shit coin spelunking and find the next great hidden treasure. Back in 2017, there was no greater hidden treasure than EOS, which started raining gold everywhere over everyone. And three years later, um, you know, graduated from high school. Maybe it's not the hottest chick in town anymore, but there's still <laughs> a lot of stuff being built on it. And as Ethereum continues to disappoint us, charging gas fees higher than bank transfers, uh, other ecosystems, it's time for them to step up and shine, perhaps a second chance at redemption. So we want to know a little bit more about what's being built on EOS. So with us today, we have Stephen Quinn, the product lead at a really interesting project called EOS Finex. Stephen, welcome to Crypto 101. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I like your intro. I feel like I've been introduced as like the underdog on a on a boxing card. <laughs> it's yeah. a secret trick for, to for, make for people EOS, like you yeah. automatically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, we are so excited to to have you on the show today uh, to talk about all things crypto uh, and all things EOS, but all things interoperability as well. Because I know that you guys are cool. really, really taking a push on there. So. Um, you know, high level, give us a quick uh, background on who you are, uh, what your specialty is, and really what you're trying to bring to the crypto space. 
Okay, yeah, cool. Um, I guess I'll start. Like my specialty is, uh, like as a product manager, I guess you could say not having a specialty. Uh, you know, it's like it's a generalist role, right? So you have your fingers in all the pies and try to um, keep, you know, herding cats, keeping yeah. everything moving along is kind of what you do, you know. Um, keep but the yeah, trains running on time. Uh, yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. Um, so uh, background, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, I, I guess more recently, I was living in um, I was living in China. I was living in Asia for uh, thirteen years. Wow. Did eight years in China and five years in Hong Kong. And um, China was uh, that's where I did my bachelor's. Um, I did my bachelor's in Beijing, and um, yeah, I kind of started there or went there just with an interest in yeah, again, kind of like the underdog, the challenger kind of thing. Um, I was interested in like emerging powers, disruptive innovations um, and things like this. So it brought me there because at the time that was really the, uh, the big topic, you know, uh, that was China sending, um, going to take over the U.S., all that stuff, which looks right. like it's kind of coming to fruition, at least to some, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to some extent. grounds right now. Yeah. Um, so I started there, uh, did, did my BA there, um, and that's where I really got uh, very much into um, disruptive innovation, wrote my thesis. In the end, ended up writing it on 3D printing, but I had considered Bitcoin. Unfortunately, didn't follow up with that one. I might be a lot wealthier now um, if I had done that. Um, yeah, came out of that, joined a startup, which was crypto-focused. Uh, and they kind of did a few things in the early days, trying to feel out um, like wallet technologies, payments, stuff like this. Um, but what they settled on, like a lot of other companies at that time, this is about six years ago, or maybe a little more, um, was sports trading technologies and like online gaming as well. But they were building um, white label sports books and oh, like wow. Bitcoin powered, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was in that for a few years, uh, also doing like product management, um, some esports stuff. Uh, and then that was kind of my natural progression into uh, exchange trading at Bitfinex. You know, they're very similar. Uh, and so I joined Bitfinex as uh, the first product manager, which was a bit of a wild ride or has been for the past year. Um, so uh, I believe you've had Paolo Arduino on the phone, on, yeah. the, uh, on the call before. I yeah. report directly to him. So I do some general stuff for Bitfinex, but um, at least uh, this year, it's been mainly all about um, Yosfinex. That's amazing. It really does seem like uh, so far, I mean, in this bull run, uh, you know, DEXs have really played an important role. Uh, we're going to get there and we're going to yeah. dive deep into EOS Finex. But before we even go down that uh, rabbit hole, give the audience a quick kind of like high level, the top two or three, you know, bullish tailwinds that are really driving this price action. Um, you know, we've seen, again, a, a really bloody three year bear market start to really kind of come to a solid close. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting things happening in the world. Uh, that you know are driving crypto yeah. adoption. What what, are, what in your mind do you give the most weight to? Um, I guess what everybody's talking about right now is like the general um, situation uh, in global markets, right? And um, well, so first of all, I'd say that like generally, generally the global markets. I think another one would be uh, institutional adoption is really starting to pick up, and that's where. I mean, EOS Finex hopefully will have some uh, some some work to do with that, but that's really where Bitfinex shines. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the destination for really serious uh, institutional traders, right? And then third, I guess, would be um, there really is now being, you know, there's significant development in real world use cases, right? Um, like we're getting closer to not just talking about what's possible, we're actually starting to do things, right? So yeah, with the global market stuff, I mean, I'm sure this is talked to death with uh, with you guys and with everybody who listens to you, right? So we don't need to go into that too much. But all I can say is, I guess, you know, Bitcoin, crypto in general really couldn't ask for a better, you know, it's, it's a bit more like a safe, backdrop. Couldn't really, yeah, couldn't ask for anything better. Like, you know, like it's exactly what uh, everyone was waiting for. You know, you go right back to the white paper for Bitcoin. Um, we're just seeing it now again. It's repeat of the great financial crisis, except even more extreme. And, you know, Bitcoin is really starting to shine and along with it, all the other cryptocurrencies. So that, and then I guess, um, yeah, the institutional adoption, you guys might've seen the news today about um, there's a quite a large publicly listed company on NASDAQ. I think they're called Microsystems. Microsystems. Yeah, yeah. So they've just allocated 250 million. um, Was it 250 million? Yeah. They they got a balance sheet of uh, 1.2 billion and then they put... Uh, you know, $250 million of their cash reserves into Bitcoin, which is a little over 21,000 Bitcoin, super wild. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. But you know, it's, it's really, again, it's, um, it's everything that people were, were hoping for what we were talking about happening is starting to happen, you know, and as they say, it'll be like, you know, slowly, slowly at first, and then all at once, you know, so uh, that's really major. And I can say, um, you know, I can't go into too much detail, but I can say, um, on our side, we do see really, uh, you know, significantly increased interest from institutional clients. They they have their pain points that they need to overcome, but there are solutions being developed for that. Um, we're working on some stuff internally at the moment that I can't can't share right now, but the pain points are going to be addressed, and they're they're just waiting to move in. You know, they're already starting, but they're going to be coming um, much larger later. Um, and so then the third, I mean, like uh, Pete's mind, you mentioned that at the beginning of the call that like it's all season, right? I mean, I guess another way of saying that is that the Bitcoin dominance, you know, Bitcoin's role will always be there, but it is really starting to lessen. And you know, we've seen EOS kind of unfortunately, you know, for us, but drop out of the top ten. And we're seeing some new entrants into the, the, you know, the minds of everyone. And they, many of them really have really strong use cases, real world use cases, you know, and they're delivering actual value, a lot of it around DeFi, uh, right? But there's, there's other new things coming into. So, yeah, I'd say this year is like, it's the perfect storm, really, you know, there's, there's real use cases, there's greater adoption, and there's all the kind of macro factors that you could ever hope for as well. Yeah, absolutely. And with this new wave of people coming into crypto, crypto's changing. It has to. And we've seen that begin with all this regulation in 2018, where suddenly everything in crypto was subject to anti-money laundering laws and anti-terrorism laws and blah, blah, blah. And suddenly crypto that used to be for everyone is now only for some people. And you have to make sure that your name's not on a blacklist or your country's not on a blacklist in order to get it. And the response to that was decentralized exchanges where no one's in control of it. No one's running it, but it's just a piece of code out there that people can still use to exchange crypto no matter who they are or where they're from. 
Can you tell us a little bit more about how a decentralized exchange works and what are some of the pros and cons and risks of using them versus something like Bitfinex that everyone knows? Yeah, sure. I, I guess where to start, it's a, it's a complicated subject. And, um, you know, coming from, um, you know, originally starting out in a, in a centralized exchange and then trying to step into the decentralized world, you, um, you start to see all of these problems with decentralized trading. I really, you know, personally, I really do believe that that is the future. That's the way it will go because the interest, the value is there both for customers and for the business, right? We can go into that maybe a little bit later, but, um, but right now there's a, it's, it's a lot more difficult than it is really portrayed in um, a lot of the marketing that you'll see around it, right? Um, there's a lot of um, pitfalls. There's a lot of drawbacks to the services that still need to be overcome. But um, I guess we can like simplify and say at, at its core, DEXs, or we would, we would class ourselves actually as a non-custodial exchange rather than a DEX. So um, at the heart of them, what they really, what they really do is they, they decentralize custody. Okay. So whereas with a centralized exchange like Bitfinex or, you know, some of the other big ones um, to trade with them, you need to go through this process where you uh, send them your funds and they hold your funds for, uh, for you and they, you know, do their best to guarantee the security of the funds. And once your funds are inside the platform, when you're trading, you're really just trading against like a database entry of your balance, you know, and uh, you're trading against other users who've also deposited their funds into the centralized exchange. Um, so when you're using a, a decentralized exchange, a DEX or a non-custodial exchange, as we call it, uh, you retain custody uh, and you're able to do this through um, smart contracts and, you know, smart contracts, if you really want to dig into them, they, you, they can get pretty complicated what's actually going on in there, right? But, you know, simply they're, they're just very, very simple computer programs that are transparent and have been audited very often. They're open, open source. Um, they've been audited to have, uh, to be, you know, ensured that they have a very, very limited number of actions that they can perform. And what that means is that uh, you as a user if you hold your own funds, you manage your own funds in a, in a non-custodial wallet with your own keys, you're able to interact with this smart contract and you're able to allocate funds to it, okay, and trust it rather than some middleman, which is what you do with a centralized exchange. You're able to trust it with your funds and say, hold on to those um, while I'm trading, okay? Uh, uh, act as kind of the... Uh, the escrow for my funds act as the guarantor that my funds are really there and I can trade against them. Um, and while the funds are in the smart contract, you're then able to interact with the exchange and you're able to place your orders and have them filled and carry on about your business. And then when it comes time to um, when you're done and you want to leave, uh, you can pull the funds out of the smart contract. Um, and the smart contracts really, all, all they're doing is um, securing your funds with these very simple limited set of commands and guaranteeing that you're the only person who can ever touch them. So uh, in the terminology of exchanges, what we say is they remove counterparty risk, counterparty being the other people um, that you trade against, and they also remove exchange risk. So you know they just uh, ensure that no one else is able to touch your funds, 
while you're trading with them. And then when it comes time to, to take them away and go about your business, you're able to. And you'll, they'll never ever, ever be able to be uh, confiscated and they can never be frozen. Really good explanation. And one of the ways that I like to kind of explain it as well, just like kind of piggybacking off you is, you know, there's a there's a very common saying, not your keys, not your coins, right? So yeah, when exactly, you yeah. yeah, when you get when you guys are, you know, out there, anybody who's listening and you think, well, you know, I want to use something that's easier. Always understand that using something that's easier to use. Uh, always carries with it some sort of implicit, like he said, exchange risk or something. Um, because what these centralized companies are doing is they're holding your coins for you. And if that centralized company gets hacked, you're SOL, right? You're shit out of luck. But um, if you're trading on a decentralized exchange, you always retain 100% control of your money. It's like having gold under your mattress versus having gold uh, you know, stored with somebody else. Um, so I'm, I'm really a big fan. Um, but there are always trade-offs when you're, when you're using these decentralized exchanges, sometimes you have less liquidity uh, and we'll talk a little bit about how we, how EOS Finex might be able to solve some liquidity issues, um, that some of the other ones are suffering from. Um, but you're, you're always going to have that technical kind of, um, you know, difficulty, I guess, like when I'm speaking with people about decentralized exchanges, that's like the last thing they want to do because they don't want to connect their MetaMask and they don't want to have to do all, you know, these manual signing of transactions. So, it, you they know, don't even want to use MetaMask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what's the plan for EOS, uh, EOS Finex to really make decentralized exchanges user friendly so that, you know, the entire world could kind of start using these and maybe not even have to understand really what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, like this is a really, really awesome question, right? Because it, it goes to the heart of um, what we're trying to do. And really personally, what I believe is the, a really a main obstacle that we all need to overcome. Right. And by all, you know, also, I mean like the crypto Absolutely. industry, right. If we want mainstream adoption, of blockchain technologies um, and, and cryptocurrency technologies, this is the key point that we need to get over, okay? So like everybody knows the value is there, okay? There's just tons of value there. There's all sorts of different use cases. There's crazy cost savings that you can get with uh, disintermediation and blockchain technology, smart contracts. You know, we're benefiting it, uh, from it as an uncustodial exchange, but it, it all means nothing if people can't easily use it, right? And so right now where we are in the, you know, the life cycle of adoption for, for these technologies is right at the beginning. Everyone who's using the platform is what would be classed as you know, an early adopter or an, or an innovator. Okay? And what we need to do is, is get from that point to the, the next kind of influx of users, which we'd call like the early mainstream. And they're just not interested unless you're going to they're not interested if you can ask them to manage their private keys and like, you know, really start get technical on, on, on things like this. So um, what we want to do, a key aim for us is to abstract away this complexity. Okay. And um, I mean, like, you know, one of the reasons actually why we like EOS is that the people behind it really share that ethos. So Daniel Larimer is the, the CTO of EOSIO. And, and block one, he developed the EOSIO software, which the EOS blockchain is built on. And his, you know, directive to all of the different um, applications which are built 
on ESIO software is to, to move away all of this complexity and make it easy for people. Don't make them think about transaction fees. You need to cover that, right? Um, don't think, make them think about managing their private keys. You need to find ways to solve that, develop the user experience, right? Um, so there's still quite a ways to go to, to do this, um, but there, there definitely is progress being made. A kind of, uh, you know, quick or dirty or simple work around, work around that we're taking is um, to, well, kind of two things. For EOS, if you want to participate in the EOS blockchain, you have to do something called stake. You have to stake your EOS tokens, okay? And this introduces complexity, but it has a really great benefit in that there are no um, fees for transactions on EOS, Okay. Um, whereas, you know, on, as you mentioned, pizza mine at the beginning of the call on Ethereum right now, you might pay like $16 for a transaction, which is, you know, not sustainable, whatever anybody says. Okay. And uh, Bitcoin obviously has its, uh, its fees too. On EOS, you, you stake tokens for network resources. What that means is you, you allocate funds and you kind of lock them and say, these funds are there to allow me to conduct transactions. And depending on the amount of funds that you lock up, you get a certain number of transactions in a 24-hour period. And when the period is over, you can have the same number again if you leave the funds there. And whenever you're done, you can pull the funds out, and then you can perform no transactions, but you have your funds back. So, you know, essentially, there's no cost, right? So one of the things that we're doing in the beginning um, for EOSFinex is we're going to stake on behalf of users. Um, and that means... This action where you need to stake to perform transactions, we're going to make it so that you don't even need to do that. Uh, and this is a really, really key you know, business measure um, that we think all uh, applications on EOS are going to need to follow and, and, and other chains too, like Ethereum, when they also move to proof of stake. So we're going to do that, um, and it will be more or less you know, complete coverage. You know, even power users will be totally covered. A second thing that we're looking at doing is just providing free EOS accounts, because similarly, uh, where you need to stake for network resources on EOS, you also need to actually buy an account. You need to buy the tokens to be able to host an account on the blockchain. So we're looking at just uh, you know shouldering that burden and giving away free accounts to users when they sign up. Um, I love that model of having the application kind of foot the bill for the users. Um, you know, there are so many different applications out there, and it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. kind of sets you guys apart from other applications. It's like, hey, we are customer obsessed. And I know Paolo is very customer obsessed and is always yeah, trying to bring sure. the, the, the best 
uh, product and the best technology and stuff. And so being able to also say, Hey, we're going to foot the bill. We're going to pay your fees. We're all that stuff. Just come. We, we promise you this is going to be the best experience. Uh, good on you guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, I think, you know, it's, uh, it's something that you'll hear, uh, spoken about, um, more within like marketing circles or product manager circles, less within like engineering circles or with technologists because they, they are more comfortable with the technical aspects of using blockchain technology. But, you know, for marketers, for product managers, for, you know, practical people, it's, you know, it's blatantly obvious that we cannot put this burden on customers. You would never go to use Google Sheets or Facebook or, you know, any of these successful um, applications if you needed to jump through all these hoops and actually then, you know, pay to use the service. It's absurd. You know, no one would ever expect that to be successful. And then the third thing that we're looking at doing is, uh, is nothing new in the space, but we think it's really impactful, is just kind of, um, you know, uh, helping people through the process of learning. So at some point, you know, it really is advisable for you to learn about private keys and a little bit about wallet uh, security, uh, how to make sure that your funds are safe and that you don't lose them. So we're looking at ways to, you know, allow you to start using the service without doing anything like that and then kind of gradually, slowly introducing it at a pace that you want uh, up until the point where you're very happy and you, uh, you know, uh, totally take control of your own funds. Very interesting. We've all seen an evolution of uh, decentralized exchanges from the very beginning where it was just Ethereum tokens and that's it. There's now some out there that are adding multiple blockchains and allowing you to swap from one to the other, which sounds you know almost like the same experience you would get on a centralized exchange. You don't have to have these technical hurdles where you're restricted to just one ecosystem. How does EOS Finex think about interoperability between blockchains and which blockchains will be available when you guys launch? And then how many do you actually plan to support overall? Yeah, okay. So um, at launch will be purely EOS, okay? Um, so just the EOS uh, blockchain, which means you'll be able to trade EOS, you'll be able to trade Tether, uh, which is also on EOS. Um, there's a couple of other uh, of the kind of larger EOS tokens that you'll be able to trade at launch. Um, and then very shortly after that, we will introduce trading of uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other you know, popular tokens, but through a kind of a clever workaround with the project that we are working to integrate, that means that we don't need to support every blockchain, but we will be able to support the tokens of all those blockchains and at the same time guarantee that um, it's truly non-custodial, that you really do have control over your funds, even though those funds are living on a blockchain which is not their own. So, um, you know, the concept of interoperability, again, is like one of these really, really important things that needs to happen for success of, you know, the entire uh, cryptocurrency space in general. Right now, you know, especially if you're a newcomer to the space, you decide that you're interested in one asset. Usually initially, you come and you think, okay, I'm interested in Bitcoin. I want to, you know, uh, get involved with some Bitcoin, invest in it, use it to make purchases, whatever, okay? And you get pretty comfortable with that, and then you decide that you're interested in something else, and it might be Ethereum. And at that point, maybe you're not, you're not really aware of how, you know, assets uh, behave 
how they only live on one chain usually, you know, Bitcoin on its chain, Ethereum on its chain, and the difficulties that can be involved in trying to as manage assets across multiple chains. And a lot of users will then stop at that point, right? Kind of give up because they're trying to, uh, you know, it's, it's like um, they're trying, it's like trying to mix messaging services, you know? You decide that you like Facebook and you want to message somebody on Twitter, you know? It's just totally impossible. It's not supported, right? So um, the, the issue of interoperability, we see it as really important, but we think there's some good solutions being proposed out there and they will be applicable for certain use cases, but not for all. It's really, we think, quite a ways off before interoperability solutions are able to, you know, true quote unquote interoperability solutions, which support uh, things like atomic swaps, okay? which means uh, you know, a transaction between one chain and the other, which is trustless at every point along the way, okay? So we think they're quite a ways off, but we do think that some of the solutions out there will be able to support some use cases, but for exchange trading, they're still not there. If you're talking about, um, you know, like let's say we're, we're, we want to build the best non-custodial exchange, okay? What really matters here is the fact that the user is able to retain custody at all times, that they know they have control at all times, right? There right, are that's other the number aspects. one, the number one on the framework kind of here. Yeah, it's, it's number one. If you're not doing that, like you're not doing anything, right? There are other things that you can do, like you can decentralize order matching, okay? You can decentralize uh, um, the liquidity even, okay? And there are platforms out there that are doing this right now, but there are really severe drawbacks to trying to do that. So the approach that we're taking with interoperability right now we want to um, you know, deploy smart contracts onto the EOS blockchain, okay? And the idea there is, I mean, you can think of it as um, Bitfinex, which has you know, arguably the deepest liquidity in the, in the industry, okay? We want to kind of extend the borders of that liquidity. So it's not sitting inside this one silo, this one centralized exchange. We want to push it out onto the EOS blockchain. And what we say then is that it's natively available. And when we say that, what we mean is if you hold a wallet, a non-custodial wallet, which supports the EOS blockchain, this liquidity is now directly available in your wallet. And if you wow. are- like, All of it, yeah. so let me get that straight so I don't watch yeah. it when I go and tell all my friends. Um, sure. <laughs> if, yeah. if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that all of the Bitfinex order book liquidity will be available to- holders of uh, you be able to access essentially exactly. to trades yeah. from your EOS wallet. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. huge. So this is, it's, it's the exact same order book actually. Holy so the, any non-custodial yeah. EOS wallet. So like even something like yeah. Exodus. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any wallet which supports the EOS blockchain, you'll be able to Holy directly. Shit. Access. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So nuts. that's, yeah. Sweet. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> We've been working really hard on this for a long time. Got to leave with that. Here's some praise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's the exact same order book. When you interact with ESFNX and you place your trade through your wallet, you are very likely matched against a trader on ESFNX. You interact with the, with, oh, sorry, on Bitfinex. You interact with the Bitfinex matching engine, which is the, um, the crown the jewel. The secret sauce. If you want to say this, the secret sauce, yeah. Uh, it's Paolo's, Paolo's baby. But so you interact directly with that. 
So uh, yeah, I'll go into like the importance of that and, and liquidity and stuff, I guess, in a minute. But um, so we want to extend this liquidity onto the ES blockchain. So it means it's available to every ES wallet holder. And what we're really excited about is that it's available to all of the applications or they're called decentralized applications, dApps, which currently operate on the ES blockchain. And this is really key for them because um, when you are, uh, you know, you're a DAP and you're trying to go about the business of serving your users, you, you know, you're, you're um, operating very often in ways where you're taking control of funds or you're processing transactions and all sort of stuff is going on there. And what's really, really important is that you're able to very quickly and very easily tap into liquidity. And by tapping into that liquidity, you're able to tap into things like risk management. So an example might be you're a, um, let's say you're a gaming, you're a gaming app, right? Um, as a gaming app, you might take payments. So people come onto the platform and they want to buy an in-app uh, item, something like this, right? At that point, maybe they'll pay you some EOS. As a business, you actually don't want to hold that EOS for very long. The ideal scenario very often for one of these businesses is to immediately convert it out into something stable like Tether, for example, right? And right, then you're not dealing with all risk. of yeah, exactly, right? You're not dealing with all of this accounting headaches of you know end of month trying to reconcile the fact that you thought you had a thousand EOS or you know a million uh, US dollars worth of EOS and you actually only have a half a million because the price drops, right? So we think that's going to be really, really important for, for the businesses of EOS. And then actually back to your, your question, Peter Mind, you're you asking about what chains do we want to do this on? We want to do it on all of them, right? So, you know, I said uh, earlier on that like we see um, non-custodial trading, decentralized trading as the future, really because it's, there's obvious value there for the end user, but there's definite value there for the exchanges as well. A centralized exchange, uh, I don't believe, um, you know, a couple of years from now, a couple of years from now, any of the centralized exchanges will um, be operating the way they are now. They're going to have to decentralize certain aspects of their business um, for you know, security reasons, for operating costs, and then also because that's where everybody lives, right? Wallet adoption, the way that people like to the way that people like to manage or interact with their 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 cryptocurrencies, it's changing. They they want to hold it themselves, yeah. you know. So, and that's yeah. one of the so things that we're we're always pushing. I mean, in the old days, it was like, oh, it's you know, t- technology's too risky. You know, use a centralized custodian like Coinbase or whatever to hold your funds. Yeah. And now the technology's you know, it's a lot more usable now. So now we're always pushing. Hey, hold your own keys. Hold your own keys. Plus, you've seen the hacks that yeah. have happened. God bless everybody who's been you know victimized by those thieves and stuff that have happened. But um, it, it just really, you know, it comes down to wanting to be, you know, in control of your own keys. But uh, I, I did want to hop over to the a, a conversation on liquidity, like you'd mentioned. Sure. Um, yeah. It is something that is, again, no matter what exchange you're on, whatever token you're holding, liquidity drives markets. Liquidity begets liquidity. And it is the most fundamental aspect of uh, of a market, pure, plain and simple. So tell the good citizens of Crip Nation you know, if they're like, what the heck, like, what does even that mean? Give us the high level. Cool. Why is it important? What is it? And uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's um, really, it's, it's the only metric that matters. It's the only thing that, you know, if you're going to choose one thing to care about when you're choosing 
uh, an exchange, this is the thing you need to look at, right? The common kind of belief right now, or what you'll very often hear if you read news stories about exchanges and uh, who's doing what, you'll always hear about volume. And, you know, volume is how much trades have been placed, okay? And, you know, volume, all of this time, the reason why it's been used is it, it's, it's actually been used as a proxy for liquidity because liquidity is a little bit more complicated to understand. Uh, if you look at an exchange and you see that it does a billion in volume a day, you look at another exchange and it does a million, well, you get a pretty good ballpark <laughs> estimate of which one of those exchanges is doing better, okay? And then you naturally use that to like uh, inform your decision about which one to use, right? Um, the problem with it is that it's really misleading because it's actually quite easy to fake. So you have things called, uh, well, there's wash trading, which can affect volume, where people are kind of laundering their money, okay? But there's other um, activity, which is really rampant, really, really rampant across most exchanges, okay? I won't name names, yep. but really, it's, it's, it's out there. You'll see trust scores on websites now that are like evaluating exchanges in different ways. But um, you can have people just trading with themselves. And the purpose of that is to inflate the volume on their token maybe it's the token projects they want to make their their project look more uh, attractive okay but very often it's the exchanges themselves because they know people look at volume um so they'll fake the volume themselves you know liquidity is is a better metric to judge because it's actually very difficult to fake and what liquidity essentially is i mean if you want to take like textbook definition it's just the amount of assets available at a certain price, okay? So if you go and you look at an order book on Bitfinex, and let's say it's the BTC USD order book, okay? And you'll see the orders at the top of the book are called the best bid and the best ask. So the best buy and the best sell price, okay? Um, really what you're looking at there is like, it's analogous to an exchange, a currency exchange, you know, you go and you, you want to buy some US dollar or sell some US dollar, they have their rates, okay? The best bid and the best buy, uh, sorry, the best bid and the best ask are just their rates. Um, so liquidity is how much can you, what amount of that token, what amount of Bitcoin in this case, can you buy or sell at that rate, okay? So the difference between, like there's two, there's kind of, there's two, uh, there's two like uh, terms that are worth knowing here when you're judging liquidity, they're called spread and slippage. Okay, so spread is the percentage difference between the best bid and the best ask. And when you look at that, you can call it a tight spread or a wide spread. And a tight spread means there's a really, really healthy market. You're getting a good price. Okay, or, you know, it's one indicator of getting a good price. And then slippage, what it is, is the um, you can describe it as the, the increase in price as you increase the amount you want to buy. So when you look at the order book and you want to buy like one Bitcoin on Bitfinex, you'll likely get it filled with those, you know, the top order in the book. If you want to buy 10 Bitcoin, you might move to the next order or the next order or the next order in the book. And as you move through those orders, the spread widens, the race increases and you pay more, right? Um, <clears throat> so liquidity is, is great because it's very, very difficult to fake. And there are, there are organizations out there which will test the liquidity of various exchanges. And it's very, you know, simple, really, what they do. They just attempt to place orders into the book. And how they will find fake liquidity is they try to put an order into the book. And like magic, the liquidity 
suddenly vanishes. D- yeah, it disappears. Killed, I've seen but, it happen time and time again. You yeah. see a big buy wall, a big sell wall, whatever, start to creep up there. And it's like, wait, ha- like, how does that even happen? Right. And it's called spoofing. Yeah. And it's highly illegal, yeah. but it happens. Yeah. <laughs> but it happens all the time. Yeah. So liquidity. Yeah. It's good, good, good judge of uh, it's the best metric when you're looking at um, an exchange, if you want to choose an exchange. Um, and it's also the thing that powers the industry. Right. It's um, it's the thing that ensures you can enter and en- enter and exit an asset at a good price. Okay, if for example you want to buy, you know, 100 ETH because you're going to use them for some some application. You know, if you if you if you need to pay five percent to enter to buy the ETH, and then you need to pay five percent when you're coming out of them. You just paid ten percent more for the. the yeah, you're using all your it, profits right? real quick. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And, if, you know, if you're trying to run a strategy, you're trying to um, invest, then you need to pay really close uh, attention to these things because if an asset increases 10%, but you paid, you know, a few percent in, in spread and slippage and fees, then, yeah, you know, what's the point, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's liquidity. And uh, again, yeah, it's just, it's really important for, obviously important for customers, but it's really important for businesses too, for the reasons we said earlier if they want to manage risk and they want to just operate their business, you know? Absolutely. All right, Stephen. Um, one of the questions in closing that we like to ask every guest that comes on the show, um, and it just kind of gives us a little bit of color into who you are. I want to know about a person in the crypto industry that you admire that has made a really good impression on you, whether it was from, you know, an academic or a technological standpoint, someone who taught you a lot or somebody who, you know, has built something that you really admire? Who, who might that one special person be? Yeah, sure. I really, uh, I, I guess I couldn't get away with not actually giving credit to, to the CTO of Bitfinex, Paolo. Um, so, you know, he's the guy who I joined. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the main reasons why I joined the company, actually. Uh, I had the meeting with him and was just so impressed by um, his grasp of technology, which I, I do personally believe is unrivaled uh, if, if you're talking about definitely in the exchange space it's it's kind of unquestioned that uh you know bitfinex technology is the best out there i can yeah. say that without arrogance because i didn't build it right it was before my time but um yeah um so uh he's 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 great in that respect he really really understands um you know markets he really understands technology um but uh, i think one of the most important things is that he's generally uh, genuinely um, trying to push the space forward. You might have seen um, him talking about the work that um, he's been doing on the Lightning Network, um, which is right. really, really important for the space. Um, so uh, Bitfinex is working on this thing called uh, Lightning Network, which is like a layer two protocol for Bitcoin. And essentially what that's going to do is allow Bitcoin to be used for one of its original aims, You know, your everyday payments very, very quick in a, in a matter of seconds to actually be able to go use your Bitcoin or many other um, assets which could be issued on this protocol and uh, pay for your coffee, do whatever uh, you want to do with it, yeah. which is really super important to actually develop the ecosystem. And um, if we don't do that, then, um, uh, you know, we're not really going anywhere, right? Yeah, definitely. And the last question we have for you today if this was the first podcast someone getting into crypto had heard, what would you want them to know? Any words of warning or words of encouragement? Yeah. Um, well, in terms of uh, words of warning, I would say, yeah, it's really, really important to to check for biases um, and motives behind anything 
you hear or uh, any kind of recommendations that people are giving you. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people out there uh, either, you know, they have some vested interests maybe that they want to uh, get you in, or to invest in a token or very often they're just, they're holding their bags as it were. Um, and they uh, have their blinkers on maybe about uh, where the value is in the space. You know, they, they maybe only have love for one token and they are, um, you know, really tribal in the mentality. They kind of try and, you know, make sure you check check the background of people, try and ignore all of that stuff and remember that there's um, there's a lot going on on all different chains. We don't need to worry about you know, maximalism, you know, of uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum or EOS or whatever. There's definitely Amen. plenty of room for everybody to grow. Yeah, for sure, right? And, you know, it's... Um, a kind of similar point of the same. Um, it's really, really early days. Um, you know, it's definitely not too late to get involved. Um, the amount of media attention, the amount of money that goes on around crypto and blockchain is is actually really misleading um, because it you know it makes us believe that we're much further along than we actually are. There's there's so much room to go. We're probably five ten percent into the growth of this space and the impact that it's going to have on the world. If you compare it to the internet and the World Wide Web, it's like you know, uh, early, early days, right? <laughs> uh, e- e- email just got invented, basically. Yeah. No, I, I second everything you had to say, Stephen. Uh, thank you so, so, so much for joining us today here at the Crypto 101 podcast. Um, before we let you go, any um, any last words about product releases that might be coming out soon? I know there's some some beta testing. Um, any quick updates here? Yeah, well, at the moment we're just uh, we're doing a closed beta, so we have a few participants who are taking part in that, helping us test to get access to all the Bitfinex markets. Um, the application to that is still open. If people want to go, they can find it um, on the ESFinex homepage. If you want to join, there's a link there. Um, and then we're launching, uh, yeah, it'll, it's going to be in August, maybe first days of September, we're going to launch the public. Um, so yeah, come and check us out. And, uh, Brilliant. We'll, we'll yeah, be sure to, uh, to release this right as it's getting, uh, getting launched here, the public beta. Cool. So yeah, Stephen, thank, thank you so much. And uh, best regards to all you guys over at Bitfinex and EOSfinex. We'll talk to you guys soon. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers, man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.